Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. He talks about all kinds of things like his journey from being a kid on the streets to becoming a boxing champion and cover sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Welcome to the Word of His College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, Pepsi, Bet Online, and of course, Rotoviz. You can find us on Twitter at Rotoviz CFB Show. You can follow Matt at Wispy the Kid, and I am at Stay Fun Leco. Before we get into things, though, I just wanted to let you know that even though sports had to take a little bit of a break, your business didn't. You had to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere, so get on Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through December 31st. All right, Matt, that was a lot. But we're ready for week eight and the much-awaited opening to the Big Ten. I am sure you are pumped beyond belief. Indeed, I am. Indeed. Uh, no, I mean, we, I've been sitting here. I mean, I listen to Ohio State podcast after Ohio State podcast. Pretty much my entire day is listening to something in my ears telling me how awesome Ohio State is, which means that all of them open with like a countdown to when kickoff is coming. Oh, no. So, yeah, I mean, I have been I've been looking forward to this weekend for a while. It it for so much of this summer and the beginning of the fall, it felt like it was never going to come and now it's just we're right on that the precipice of like the start and I I mean, I'm a little bit excited. Um yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's nuts, man. It's finally here. I'm very excited. Of course, the Mountain West returns as well. I mean, that's they, what, uh, I'm also excited about that because yeah, I mean, that's more fun to bet. They do have a uh, a postponed game already, Colorado State uh, game. Their game got postponed, so that's a bummer. But yeah, I'm excited. We're going to get into the Big Ten in just a second here. I uh, just want to give a quick rundown of what we have to look forward to. We're going to start off with uh, some news and notes. Then we'll just do our little can we talk about segment and then we'll follow it up by looking back at week seven, see how we did on our picks and, and talk about some of the games. And then, of course, we will look ahead to week eight's slate and then finish off with our locks. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup to uh, the recording. We were supposed to get started a while ago and I got a call from my kid's school because 
my kid had been stung right in the eye by a bee and he's allergic and it was a whole thing, but uh, he's all Benadryl'd up and we're ready to rock and roll. And it just felt appropriate for some reason. Like it's just 2020, man. It's just the year of all kinds of craziness and getting stung in the eye just is very on par for the year. So your kid delayed our Big Ten preview podcast by uh, getting stung in the eye. That's yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do feel like we could spend a ton of time talking about the Big Ten and giving our predictions and picks for who we think is going to win what. And honestly, there's just so much to get to. So I do want to spend a little bit of time on it. I know you could spend probably four hours. So give me kind of what you think. What, what are your expectations out of the East? Let's start there because that's where your team resides. Uh, and obviously, uh, we assume you're going to pick Ohio State, and you've talked quite a bit about Ohio right. State. Okay. Okay. Um, so if you could do a little bit more talking of some of the other teams that maybe uh, our listeners haven't heard you talk about, that would be great too. But I'm, I'm assuming that you're taking Ohio State to win the East. Yeah. I mean, pretty clear cut. I think Ohio State is one of the... the th- so we've been talking all this whole season so far about how there's like a very weird like top of the college football landscape right now and that there might only be two good teams that have played in Ohio State's the third one so yes Ohio State clear tier above everyone um so yes they're my pick to win the east um for the rest of the east the teams that I'm actually I'm I mean Penn State just lost Jeremy Brown we'll we'll dive into that here in a little bit uh I don't think it changes them too much they're really super talented and the only player outside of um Brown and Hamler on offense. That's that's really all they're losing because they did bring Fryermuth back. So I think they should be good offensively. I'm a little bit interested to see what their defense looks like because they also lose uh Yitor Gross Matos and Micah Parsons from that defense, which was really strong last year. So they'll be interesting. I do think that they're gonna be the pretty clear-cut second best team in the East. Um Michigan's got a lot of question marks there. We all thought they were going to move on to McCaffrey at quarterback. And obviously he decided to transfer out of the program despite it was kind of a strange occurrence because he fought so hard to be like playing again. And he was one of like his whole family was part of that, like bring football back. And then the moment it brought football back, he transferred. So really crazy story, but they'll be fine. I think they'll be honestly, once you get past Ohio state and Penn state, it gets really ugly in the East. So I think the, Truth is that they're going to have a pretty easy time slotting into that third spot. Um, uh, Indiana is what they are. They're going to be fine. They they always seem their coach is pretty solid. He's coaching them up at the or he's been coaching them up the last couple of years. Uh, Michigan State kind of looks like a dumpster fire to me. Uh, I was looking yeah. into them a little more closely. They bring, I, I mean, they bring back guys that would be effective, but the problem is the team sucked last year and their off season was more tumultuous than anyone else. Absolutely. So, and they're going in the year with Rocky Lombardi as their starting quarterback. I mean, and I he don't can have run, but he can't pass. So um, I don't have high hopes for Maryland. I will say there's a few receivers on that team that are pretty interesting. Rakeem Jarrett is the uh, freshman receiver. Uh, keep an eye on him. There's a lot of high expectations for him. Um, although the quarterback situation there is an absolute mess. The one team I Tua's little brother is going to be slinging yeah, a rock. Yeah, he's garbage. Tulia is garbage. <laughs> he is hot garbage. Um, he is not a power five quarterback. He should have gone to a Mac school. I, I, I honestly, I said this whenever he was transferring. That story was only interesting because of his last name. He's not that good. Um, and the one team I do think is kind of 
interesting. I don't think they'll be good. This isn't, don't take this as like, a, oh, I think they're going to spoil. Rutgers brought in a lot of talent in the uh, on the defensive side of the ball via transfers. And they've got all these players who are immediately eligible. They brought in a kid from UCF along the defensive line, Malik Barrow. They brought in a kid from Michigan along the defensive line. They brought in a safety from Ohio State who was like, the MVP of the Rose Bowl form a couple years ago. So they have a little bit of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the fact that Greg Schiano's last season at Ohio State, the defense was so bad, people forget that he's a good defensive coach. Um, I partially blame that season on Alex Grinch because that was the first year that they were like tried to co-defensive coordinate. It was a weird year. Um, so I think Rutgers defensively will at least be interesting. Um, but they're still probably going to finish last. Um, I, I think the way you have it on your list, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, uh, Indiana, Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers is probably the right order. Realistically, anything after Michigan, it could go in any order, and I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, quick rundown. A couple of my thoughts. I mean, you just went through my order of them. Uh, I think a lot hangs on kind of what Sean Clifford can do at Penn State as quarterback. He had, you know, good games and bad last yeah, he's gonna need to he's gonna need to be a little bit more explosive, I think, if they want to legitimately push Ohio State. I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, I don't think there's much chance that Penn State finishes ahead of Ohio State. I think it's pretty much just playing for second place. But, but you could, I mean, with the way that the everything is like laid out this season, Penn State has is gonna have. Let's say they have one loss on their year. They go eight and one that we get assuming let's get all of our nine games and they go eight and one, they beat the number two team in the West. And I mean, is there a way that that's the fourth best team? Because for Georgia to win out, uh, they're going to have to beat Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game. I don't see that happening. So that's a two loss team Um, for Notre Dame. They're, they're going to probably have to play Clemson twice this year. Do you think they're going to beat Clemson either time? Probably not. So that's a two loss team. So Penn State very well might be playing for fourth. And if they can get to fourth, I think that's a it's a good spot for them. They could be a playoff team. Yeah, maybe. I think part of that also depends on what when the Pac-12, if, if they get... Oregon will pick up four losses in three games. <laughs> five games. Pick up four losses in three games. Yeah, no, that's, that's how bad like I think them. Oregon is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, now, you mentioned Maryland. They're, they are a team that I'm kind of excited to watch because of their offensive firepower. Uh, you mentioned Rakeem Jarrett. I also uh, like uh, Dante Demas Jr. He's Don't steal a- my guy. I planted the flag on Demas. You, you planted the seed and it has flowered into a beautiful... Uh, flower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really bad. Anyway, um, I've I've really I've really enjoyed watching them. So I'm I'm, a, I'm Maryland's a fun team. They're they're going to be a fun team to watch. I don't think they're going to be uh, competitive uh, in in the East. Let's move over to the West because this this is probably a little bit more interesting as far as uh, who we have on top, who we think's going to win it. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, actually, let me go first because uh, you went first in the last one. I go so I I'm actually picking Minnesota here mainly because they have the best offense, in my opinion, in the West. Uh, You've got Captain Tanner Morgan returning at quarterback, and you've got some explosive receivers in Minnesota who were fantastic last year and I think are really going to be able to to really stretch just about any defense that they play. I think Wisconsin, with their quarterback being, with Cone being out for who knows how long, losing Taylor, losing Quentin uh, Cephas, 
there's a lot of questions along that offense. And while their defense is always really good and they have a good offensive line, I'm curious if they're going to be able to, uh, to put up enough points to win enough games to, to, to threaten that. So I know maybe it's not the, the popular pick, but I'm taking Minnesota to win the West Wisconsin, uh, a close second, of course. And then, uh, yeah, the rest of them there. I, I like, per, I, I like Purdue after that, but it's all pretty balanced, uh, beyond that. And, and not necessarily in the highest. I'm a little bit further down in Nebraska than, than maybe some people, uh, who are hoping they're like a dark horse again after, man, they, they really, <laughs> they really were, uh, a lot of people's choices last year to make a big jump and they never did. Scott Frost just hasn't been able to get going. Adrian Martinez has been a bit of a disappointment. So uh, I know it's a senior year. Maybe they can uh, finally get something going, but I don't really have much, much faith in them. How do you see the West? Who do you think wins it? And, and who are some of the the players that you're looking at? Cause I mean, there's a lot of fun wide receivers coming out of the West. Yeah. I mean, I, Minnesota and Wisconsin's close. I don't think I can clearly put one of them way above the other. If I were going to right now rank it, I would tell you I probably still take Wisconsin. They're a little bit safer. Um, but I do think Minnesota, if a team all of a sudden out of the West was going to become great, it's it's Minnesota. Um, I, just, I don't particularly see that happening. Um, beyond those two teams, because we kind of know what they are, they're, they're going to be very similar to what they've always been. Wisconsin has a lot of really, I don't want to say interesting players on this team, but you like Wisconsin has guys. They they are they're going to be able to replace Jonathan Taylor because they've replaced every running back they've ever had. Sure. Um, I, I I mean I'm not I'm I just don't think you can get that far down. I honestly think the loss of their starting center from last year makes a bigger impact than Taylor, but that's because I don't think running backs matter all that much. So um, we. I, I actually sent this message to uh, you and Travis the other day. Purdue's kind of, to me, looks like Ole Miss. Their mm, offense is yeah. going to be spectacular um, because they have Rondell Moore and David Bell. And um, if people don't know what that means, that means they might have two of the top eight wide receivers in the Big Ten. Um, and they might very well be on passing very similar to what minnesota was last year so it, it'll it be interesting to see what they're able to do um iowa's iowa they're they're in a little bit of a weird spot this year they had a, a weird offseason also they're actually probably one of the teams that benefited the most from the shutdown because it all of a sudden rallied the team together which is just weird because over the summer they were a mess. And then when everything they shut the firing down they were, and all that kind of stuff, yeah, I mean, they were, they were an absolute disaster. And then when the big 10 canceled football, they were like, let's rally. We want to play. And it, it, I mean, right. it worked out. Um, I'm a little higher in Nebraska. I mean, you said Adrian Martinez, a senior, he's actually only a junior. Um, I, I think he has upside. I don't necessarily think he's amazing. How many years has he been around? I feel like that Joker's been around forever. <laughs> he was a freshman okay. in 2018. He just started immediately. Um, Feels like he's been around longer than that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's because we had high hopes for him. We thought he was a Heisman Trophy candidate last year, and then he wasn't. Northwestern's gonna be boring. I don't know what to say beyond that. They're gonna be boring, and then Illinois. We'll see what they look like this weekend against Wisconsin. If they can hang it close in that game, maybe we have some hopes for Illinois. But Lovey Smith kind of turned them into the transfer portal transfer portal team last year. And for as much as that's a good move in the short term, it does kind of make it difficult to have long term success. And yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I'm interested to see what they look like this weekend. Yeah, no, I think this weekend's going to tell us a lot. I mean, we've got another, we got quite a few big games in the Big Ten. I'm really, obviously, excited about Minnesota, Michigan. I think that's going to be a big one to decide <laughs> if I'm right or wrong about this Minnesota team. So if they go out and lay an egg this first week, that's going to be a big problem. Um, we'll get into some more of these teams as we go through the uh, the episode. Let's get into some of the some of the big news um, items here. We've got two quarterbacks that are not going to be playing this week. It looks like uh, Devin Leary's out for much longer than that. NC State's quarterback, so they're going to be going back um, to Hawkman, and that, that that could be a bit of a problem for them. They've kind of been playing over their head a little bit, uh, or at least more than what people were expecting. They're in the top twenty-five for the first time in what seems like a, a long time. Um, but they're losing him. And then the other big news is Miles Brennan is listed as doubtful right now for LSU. Uh, it looks like he probably will not be playing. Uh, LSU's, for him. Yeah, LSU's got some issues now. They're going to be turning it over to some freshman quarterbacks. What, what's the big item here for you? Uh, these two quarterbacks, what, what, what do you think that makes a uh, How do you think that shapes the landscape moving forward? I think I care more about Leary being out. Um NC State's a decent team. They've been kind of potent on offense. I don't have a ton to say. I, I, I've made I've made my feelings pretty clear about Miles Brennan. I don't yeah. think he's anything special. I think he's bot. I think he was bottom half of the SEC in in a year when the SEC is very bad at quarterback. I think that it's probably better for them in a lost season to move on from a quarterback that they know isn't the answer. So if you're an LSU fan. Oh, I mean, you're probably going to lose one extra game because Miles Brennan's stability isn't there, but I don't think you should be that upset. You probably should be starting to look for your air, your next guy anyway. Yeah, and and I have a feeling that that loss might come as early as this week against South Carolina, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, a couple of opt-outs that we should probably talk about. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, Nico Collins, Michigan's wide receiver, opted out. Man, <laughs> There, uh, not a while ago. It, for, it was only official though this week. I know yeah. he hadn't been around. And Nico Collins is isn't. I mean, I like Nico Collins. He's a big body receiver that has gotten a lot of volume. I actually think there's probably some like in rookie drafts next year. He'll probably become like a trendy sleeper because he had a lot of volume and people won't have seen him for a year. Um, there were a lot of people who really liked him. I think he's kind of just another guy when it comes to the college football landscape because he doesn't. As good as he is, he's sort of proven he isn't a game-changing receiver. I think that there are plenty of athletes on this Michigan team to replace him, but I would say early on, don't be surprised if Michigan's receiving, I mean, if Michigan's passing game, largely because they're going to a new quarterback off a shortened offseason, or extended, but a tumultuous offseason, um, with a newer, a younger receiving group. Yeah, I mean, expect them to be a little bit iffy out the gates. I mean, they were a little bit iffy all the last year anyway. I mean, their offense was was pretty terrible at times. Yeah, uh, but as I mean, as the, that was they switch they did switch systems at the, right before the year, and it wasn't really until probably week four or five that they started that for as much as we want to rag on Shea Patterson, if you look at the game logs, he actually started to kind of make a turn at one point and there was legitimate thoughts that they he was like respectable. He wasn't, but whatever <laughs> thanks for clarifying he wasn't respectable <laughs> but he i mean the system made him look okay so is what it is i think michigan's offense will probably be kind of rough at the beginning of the year and hopefully hopefully they're smart and just give the ball to zach charbonnet and we get to see what he is capable of because he's our only hope for 2022 
<laughs> um, Puka Williams, speaking of running backs, he opted out uh, earlier this week, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so running back for Kansas, I'm guessing he's wants to have no, nothing to do with Kansas. They look terrible. I don't really know a whole lot more about this other than that, but um, I yeah, like Puka. Like he's, he, uh, he made an impact as a freshman and he's kind of, my issue with Puka is kind of my issue with a lot of these um, inefficient running backs. Everyone wants to sit here and just immediately place the blame on, oh, his offensive line is trash. Oh, he didn't have anything around him. Ah, blah, blah, blah. And my issue, and I ever see that is I'm like, cool. There's bad offensive lines in the NFL. And unless he's behind all of a sudden one that is just mass, I mean, is substantially better than the defensive line, you're going to have to create your own yardage. And I don't necessarily know if he's a create his own yardage kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I think he he's a day three pick in the NFL draft because I do think he's going to declare um, just because I think COVID is going to push a lot more guys to declare for the draft and try and get to the NFL as quickly as possible rather than try and sit in the transfer portal for a year. So, um, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's a guy, he'll be either a late day three pick undrafted free agent. He'll get on a roster during the preseason and hopefully, I mean, hopefully I am wrong and hopefully he can create stuff for himself. I was high on him before the year, hoping that all of a sudden we'd see a six yard per carry guy. I don't think he's that. I think he's a, he similar to the way I felt about a guy like David Montgomery. I think that when you see the inefficiency at running back or in his average carries, it's probably real. Right. He does do special teams as well. So maybe he can make a name for himself in special teams. Once he gets the NFL, Uh, we'll see, but I do hope that uh, I know he opted out because his, his mother's dealing with some health issues. So hopefully everything's okay there and he's able to help his family and take care of things. But uh, as far as being the running back for Kansas, uh, he won't be doing that anymore. Uh, the last last kind of news item is one that you mentioned earlier, Journey Brown, most likely out for the year with an undisclosed medical condition. We're not exactly sure what that is. A real bummer, though. Journey Brown is just such a fun player, a guy that we have been talking about probably before most other people were talking about him. Uh, we were getting excited for him on this podcast, especially myself and, and Jordan. I know you were always a little bit behind, but his uh, his Debbie no, stock is the word you were looking for. Yeah, his Debbie stock skyrocketed this uh, this last off season, and uh, so much so that I was no longer the high guy on Journey Brown. But he unfortunately won't be playing for a while. It looks like. Yeah, and it is a bummer. I will say, for as much as I poo poo him, um, people around the program were really high on him and thought that he had the potential for a huge season. That this was going to be his bell cow year. People remember if you listen to the show a few years ago, we had a uh, the co-host was name is Kyle Pollock. He was actually within the Penn State program. He had Journey Brown as his number two running back overall in this class. That's how special he thought he was above Juba Hubbard. So, um, yeah, I I mean, it is a bummer. Hopefully he's first things first. Hopefully he's okay. Um, Yeah. And hopefully he's able to play football again. That would be great to see. But first things first, be healthy. All right, Matt, let's, uh, I don't have a whole lot to talk about this week. Uh, I feel like we've covered a lot of it. I'm excited for big 10 football, but I don't know you, you know, I know you've got something on, on your chest. you like to get off two things that I want to say. So I, I have now come to this like spot where I am staring at two receivers on Alabama who have basically opposite profiles. And that is Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. And I love both of them. But I'm trying to figure out how to rank these two. And I'm curious on your opinion. 
So last week, Jalen Waddle got seven targets for 161 yards and a touchdown. Devonta Smith got 12 targets um, and then turned that into 167 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm going to be blunt with you. I have absolutely no idea what to think of these guys because this seems to be the pattern is Smith is getting volume um, in a way that Waddle isn't. And Waddle is becoming the big play guy, which is why if you look at their yardage versus the receptions, Smith has a ton more receptions, but Waddle is either right by him in yardage or like very close. So I'm just curious your opinion on this one. And that is uh, if right now what they've done this year, which of those two like profiles do you prefer? It's hard for me because especially like, I mean, they play Georgia, which is a fantastic defense, of course. But other than that, they haven't been up against these stalwart defenses. So sometimes it's hard to tell, okay, why is Smith getting so open all the time? Um, is he just a, another great route runner like a, a Jerry he's Judy type? Yeah. Um, whereas with Waddle, it's a lot easier to see how he's getting open. He's also a good route runner, but he, he's got another gear. He's going at everyone else's top speed, and then all of a sudden he cranks it up another notch and just accelerates past everyone. So for me, like it's easier as someone who isn't a scout and I'm not like a Matt Harmon type who can track all these routes and see everyone's uh, like grayed out everyone's route running abilities. Uh, to me, Jalen Waddle is just he he just is a different level type player. So for me, it's him. They're both like to your point, they're both exceptional. And the one who has a better career in the NFL, I think, is going to be determined by which one ends up with a better quarterback and a better system. But because to me, like they're very, very close as far as just the level of talent that they, that they have. And yeah, they're both phenomenal. I think I'm with you on that. I, I do like the volume I'm seeing uh, the Smith get this year. I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue the target share he's been seeing. And, but I think I'm with you on Waddle. And honestly, I'm making it, it's becoming increasingly difficult to keep him behind Bateman for me. Whereas I love Rashad Bateman. I love Rashad Bateman's like prospect profile. If you look at it, his production is just insane. But now that we're seeing when Waddle isn't there with two first round wide receivers, he's creating and he's the guy that has been so athletic and so multidimensional that he's actually he's returning punts for him. And he just he's always done so much. And it's it's becoming increasingly difficult to even have him as low as I have him. And that's I think I think we're in agreement. It's we're seeing him on the field just make plays in a way that you just don't see from a lot of guys. Yeah, like right now, I'm just looking at my ranks. I have him as my wide receiver five. I'm gonna have to change that before we do our Debbie Summit. Does, yeah, doesn't that feel it? It's, it just doesn't. It's just it, not it right. Feels like that's low, and it it's weird to say that top five in a, this ridiculous class might be low, but I, I feel like I'm low. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's a good, I think that's a very good point because he, uh, he definitely is next level and, and someone that I've already, like I've moved him ahead of George Pickens earlier, um, like after like week two or something like that, because he already is more than what we were hoping Pickens would become. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he definitely has a natural athleticism. And you know what? You and I, we we don't have a natural athleticism. <laughs> and thanks to our natural lack of or thanks to our lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than one percent of one percent of one percent of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. Uh, and this football season will be different. And Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. You know me, I, I'm not a huge NFL guy. I'm a I'm a college guy. I cannot wait until this weekend seeing uh, Justin Fields line up 
in shotgun because he's not going to be up under center. Um, line up, get that first snap, and uh, let's just say he goes deep to someone random like Chris Olave for a touchdown pass. Um, I can't wait to see that. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for people who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Man, I'm excited as well. I actually already have stocked the fridge for the weekend. I've got lots of Pepsi and Mountain Dew in there and a couple of uh, couple of kids that are just waiting for the weekend so that they can rip into some of those as well because I don't let them drink soda during the week. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited as well. It's going to be great. Uh, before we do go ahead and look at week eight, let's talk about week seven real oh. quick. Uh, this week was not great. Let's be honest. Uh, Matt, you were one and three this week on your locks two on three and the regular games. Uh, so your overall on locks is 11, 10 and two. So you're still got that winning uh, number there. And then on the regular season, you're 14 and 16. Um, I went three and four in my locks. I really felt screwed over this week. We'll get into that. I'm 12 and six on locks for the season, uh, but 15 and 15 for 15 on the uh, regular slate of games. So still okay there. No, it's not okay. That's not good enough. Not near good enough, but uh, this is another week to get better. Let's look back at what you did for your locks and kind of walk us through some of those, will you, Matt? Remember when I was good at this? That was that was fun. Um, so I thought Clemson would be nice to Georgia Tech and <laughs> I put the under 64 and a half. They were not nice. And if you looked at the halftime score, I, I almost lost this game at half. And they it basically... Was, it was, it was they had funny. Like, they had 54 uh, at half or something silly. It was it was gross. Um, I... I had mentioned last week, I was like, man, Clemson might get that on on the, on their own. And you're like, yeah, that's my only fear. And sure enough. Uh, but they had their punter playing quarterback for the fourth quarter, which was hilarious. Yeah, I, I mean, I credit to them. They did what they were supposed to do. They went out and beat a team badly. Um, Pitt Miami under 48. Honestly, I felt it's like close. I was on, I, I felt very OK about this, particularly when I saw when Kenny Pickett was officially ruled out. Miami was sloppy. It just seemed like they got a few. They finished drives that I they wouldn't typically finish and Pitt's defense is turning more and more into fraudulent. And I'm kind of disappointed in them. Uh, Louisiana. You only missed that one by two though. The the, the total that you took it out was under 48 and it it hit at 50. 50. So you were very close. I I didn't feel like I, when you're talking about these low total games, you're look, there is a chance for these, like a variant, like one or two plays really flip the game. And for me, it was, there were just a couple of times Pitt scored in the second half after being completely useless in the first half. So whatever. Louisiana Tech Marshall. I watched none of this game. Um, not, I don't want to lie to people. Um, Marshall's really good, and they they pretty much handled him the whole game. Uh, lost UTEP and Southern Miss on my card. It got postponed. Happens. Uh, I feel like that would have been a win. I should count that as a win. Um, yes. <laughs> and then Louisville and Notre Dame. I said that Louisville would have explosive plays and keep this game close. I didn't think this would turn into the biggest <laughs> snooze fest of a game of all time. I'm mad at myself for not taking the under. Um, I am happy I got bullied into the pick. So uh, Louisville yep. covered in a game where Notre Dame won 12 to 7. So win. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I uh, the, the game I was most confident on was Alabama minus four. At, um, and, and that was wasn't in the bag from the get go. We'll talk a little bit about that game in a minute here. Uh, but by the end of it, it was it was looking very uh, lovely. I took BYU minus four and a half at Houston. Uh, they took care of business 43-26. That one was good. UCF Memphis game made me really, really angry. UCF was up so much. Like they were up by a ton. I think it was, I think they were up by like tw- like 21 points at one point uh, in the fourth quarter. And they ended up letting Memphis come back. And Memphis 
150 to 49. I was really upset about that one. Uh, Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss, again, like when you throw six turnovers, like when you throw six interceptions, it's going to be hard to win many games. Uh, but even with that, like even with all those turnovers, uh, they had the ball with like three minutes left and they just needed to drive down and score a touchdown to win. And instead, uh, Matt Corral threw his, that's when he threw his sixth interception for a pick six. And I was just furious. Um, I'm not really sure why they didn't uh, take him out and put a different quarterback in, but regardless, uh, he wouldn't have made this. Yeah. I I was shocked that he, that Coral Corral or Matt, Matty C, whatever you want to call him. I was so mad that he was still in there. Uh, Probably the game that I was just most off on, um, like, the UCF and Ole Miss game were frustrating because they could have hit, but the one that was just outrageous was UNC minus 13 and a half at Florida state. And they just flat out lost 28 31. Um, I also had the over on this one at 63 and a half. It ended at 59. What made me upset about that is UNC uh, was driving uh, at the end of the game was like a fourth and eight. They had to convert it to keep going and then maybe, maybe get me that cover. And uh, the, the running back Williams just, Drop the football on fourth and ten. It would have been a would have been a conversion. So that was a bummer. Uh, UMass at Georgia Southern. The line was thirty one and a half. They ended up winning forty one zero. That was uh, another one I felt really confident about, and that one obviously paid off. I think so, UMass just scheduled a second game, by the way. So you might get a ch- another chance to bet on them or bet. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited on that one. Yeah, I'm already. I'm gonna look for it and already bet it because uh, that number is just gonna keep going the wrong direction. Yeah, they're atrocious. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's look at some of the other games, uh, from the weekend that we talked about. Uh, let, let's start off with that pit at Miami game. Um, the line was 13 and a half. We both, pit, yeah. Pit ended up losing 19 to 31. Yeah. You're bad at math because you initially called this a loss on our board. And, um, <laughs> no, that is, that is what we call a solid W. Um, dear King was fine. I honestly, the reason I sit here and go back to this and say my analysis on this game was right, and it's, it, I swear it's not to be super defensive. Pitt's defense pretty much held the running game in check. Jalen Knighton was the leading non dear King rusher with 25 yards. Cam Harris was 12 or 24. Um, Don Chaney. Yeah, I think that's his name, Don. Um, whatever. Five for 18. And then Dierick King was 11 through 32 on this when including a 22 yard run. It was that all of a sudden his passing game was just like way more explosive than they'd been. Um, he was 16 for 31 with four touchdowns. So every fourth pass he threw was a touchdown. He also threw two interceptions in this. So, or I'm sorry, every fourth completion was a touchdown. That shouldn't happen. Um, this pit defense is actually pretty had been pretty respectable and it seems like their defensive line still made life miserable for uh, Miami. Um, I think we were on the right. I, I think we took the right side, even with the news with Pickett being injured and then playing yelling at quarterback. It kind of what the, our, our reasoning behind this was the totals really low, meaning we think this is going to be a low scoring affair. And do we think Miami is just so much better that they're going to be the only one scoring? Turns out they kind of were. But then Pitt managed to like do just enough in the second half. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, quick question: We've been kind of well, especially Travis had been kind of high. We were on his show, and he was pretty high on Cameron Harris. And he just has had a couple bad weeks in a row here. Do you it's think that the hype got another guy? I was gonna say, did the hype get a little bit overblown? Yes. And maybe I yeah. told you guys this when you were doing it that yeah, you're, with, the problem when with running back is that whenever there is a void. 
in running back prospects and there isn't this superstar. You try and turn these guys into superstar when they have one game. And Harris had that. Kyron Williams had that. And thus far on both of those, we've been quick to run and like put them in our top 60 and be like, yeah, this is a guy I'm going to, I'm all in. And then like two weeks later, you're like, wow, he's had back-to-back games with 40 yards rushing. Why was I all in? Oh, it's, he beat up on Florida state. Who's terrible. And Ky- I still think for what it's worth, I still think Kyron's pretty Kyron good. isn't bad. I just don't, <laughs> the problem I have is like with both of them. Why do we, why did we rush to think that these guys were going to be anywhere near the second round of rookie drafts next year? The only way that happens is if they get day two capital and I don't see other one of them in that range. So yeah, I mean, Cam Harris isn't the guy, the guy, the one really big name, the one prospect we all need to be watching from this game. It was my player to watch. And that's Jordan Addison. Uh, had 13 targets in that game, converted eight of them into receptions for 147 yards. Yeah, as a, a freshman, that dude has the potential to be special. Um, and, and with a backup quarterback too. So yeah, very, very incredible, very special stuff. Let's move on. Ole Miss at Arkansas again. We, we shouldn't spend too long in this because it'll bring a lot of anger out. And you know, yep. Well, the line was one and a half, and like I said, they lost 21-33. But as I also said, they were down 21-26 with five minutes to go. Uh, no, with three minutes and 18 seconds is when Coral threw his sixth interception for uh, a pick six, which was just so incredibly frustrating. But Jerry Neely was a guy I was watching. He uh, had 23 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. On top of that, he had two receptions for 10 yards. So he's not really getting it done in the passing game as much as maybe I was hoping in this offense. But he seems to be um, really carving out a nice role for himself. Uh, Snoop Connor, who's been getting some of the work as well, only had 15 carries for 40 yards. So I think the separation is is pretty evident in, in the talent level between those. I think Snoop's still good, but Jerry and Ely's really the, the RB1 on that team. Uh, I did want to mention as well, because we we do keep talking about Elijah Moore, this was his, uh, his third consecutive game with uh, double-digit targets. He had 11 receptions for 113 and one. So uh, I, really I also feel like I need to mention this other guy because both you and Travis tried to bully me into pushing him on my rankings. Uh, Yaboa, um, one target, zero reception, yeah. zero yards. I get it. It's fun when a dude is doing awesome for a minute, but we do need to like cool our jets sometimes. He he might be good. He might have games, but this is not the stat line that you see on a guy if he is a legitimate NFL prospect. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, let's move on. UCF at Memphis. I watched a lot of this game because I, I had UCF minus three and a half. Oh, it was fun. There were 90 point, 99 <laughs> points scored. Yeah. Why did you turn this game off? I, 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 I was so mad. I'm losing my voice. I'm so mad. Um, when they were up, they, they were up 49, 37, they were up 43, 29. They were up 35, 14. Like they were up the entire game. And somehow UCF still managed to lose uh, in large part because of the running back that you were watching. Yeah, I mean, Rodriguez Clark is is quality. Uh, I mean, I, the reason I, I mentioned him is Memphis has, over the last few years, Memphis has found a way to scheme that running backs are able to do kind of whatever they want. And Rodriguez Clark just appears to be next in line. He was 21 for 112. Just kind of did what he was supposed to. He didn't get in the end zone, um, which bummed me out because I had him in a lot of DFS lineups, but whatever. Had a solid game, and I mean, really, this was a, a battle between two quarterbacks in this. Brady White, thirty for fifty or thirty-four for fifty for four eighty-six and six. Um, Unbelievable. And then, your, and then your player to watch, 
uh, Dylan Gabriel, 35 for 49, 601 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, you really can't put this on anyone. The issue at hand is just at the end of this game, Memphis was still kicking and uh, UCF had a couple of opportunities to close out the game. And they just, they didn't, they missed a field goal that would have um, won the game uh, with a minute left. It's this game was crazy. And yeah, I, I mean, it, this is why this matchup is fun because it's two offenses that you're going to have a difficult time stopping. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is as, as insane as those numbers were for those quarterbacks, they both also had a rushing, a rushing touchdown. <laughs> so just absolutely insane. And yeah, I was actually surprised that what they went for a 45 yard field goal. I thought they'd just keep pushing it and trying to, uh, I know they were running out of time, but um, anyway, uh, let's move on to that North Carolina game that we mentioned earlier. I think this was one of the, uh, the shockers of the weekend. Uh, North Carolina favored by 13 and a half, end up losing by three, 28 to 31. See, I'm not terrible at math. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was shocked by this one. I was just blown away. I, I didn't think, I mean, I had mentioned like Jordan Travis, like being decent and that's why I was taking the over, but I mean, he didn't even do that, that well, he was only eight for 19 passing. Now he did have 107 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So, I mean, that's how they're going to do this, but UNC just took so long to get started. They were down 24, nothing at one point. Uh, they ended up scoring, uh, right before, the half, which, which helped out a little bit, but then they gave up a, another touchdown really quick. Uh, so they were down 31, seven at halftime. They just could not get back in The over. Didn't hit for me because FSU didn't score in the second half. That really pissed me off. Uh, Javante Williams was the guy that I was watching and he had a fine game. Um, again, he had that one drop that cost them the potential win, no, but he no had better. 120. He had such a solid game. He had 119 rushing yards and a touchdown, and he had 67 yards and a touchdown with three receptions. Yeah, so he you're had saying a good eight, game. 180 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns is not a good enough game. <laughs> he didn't get me the over if he makes yeah, that okay. catch. <laughs> I'm just so Javante Williams was awesome. I, I think that's a guy that actually who now we're starting to see as a legitimate Debbie prospect. I don't know if he's going to get the draft capital to be super meaningful, but he is a guy that you definitely need to know. Yeah, no, this game's silly um, because if North Carolina wins this game, where are they ranked? Like, oh, yeah, North they're North like Carolina, number three or like, four. Yeah, they're they're probably right there next to Notre Dame, maybe higher than Notre Dame. So in that three to seven range. Um, now they're 14, which wait, or is it just 14? The fact that they're, they only dropped to 14 is silly to me. They should have dropped to like 20 Florida state's one of the worst teams in college football. This was a, <laughs> so honestly what this showed me is all the fears that we saw from that Virginia tech game and all the things we've seen so far about North Carolina's defense, just really not being good enough are real. Um, they turn it on in moments and they're fine, but that is a real reason to be concerned because Florida State is not this high-powered offense. Uh, tra- moving to Travis seems to be the smart move. They definitely seem to be a little more fluid on offense with him than they were with Blackman. They're not playing from behind as much. Um, I do wonder what it's going to do to the receiving uh, the receivers on that team because I think running is probably going to have to turn into a big part of this game for him. So it'll be interesting to see if the receiving numbers start to plummet. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, 
he ended up with a fine stat line, but you have to be a little bit disappointed in Sam Howell. Yes, he went 20 for 36 for 374 and three touchdowns and one interception. That's a fine final line. The one thing I am going to put a little bit on him is that this is their first six drives of the game. Um, They went five plays for 18 yards, punt. Three plays for eight yards, punt. Seven plays for 34 yards, punt. Eight plays for 39 yards, punt. 11 plays for 50 yards, turnover on downs. And then three plays um, for 73 yards and a pick. If you are supposed to be the quarterback savior to this program and you're going to be the guy that is turning them from a middle of the road team to like, Hey, this is a quiet contender. You can't start with six straight drives with no points. I, and I mean, to be clear that the play where when they go three for 73 and get an interception, that's sort of bad luck. But when you get in, start to get down the field and you have those real point scoring opportunities, those are when you need to lock in because I mean, they score any points on any of those six drives, this game flips. Right. And and I'll be honest, Howell's a guy I've moved down my board over the last couple of weeks. Not just this game, but he's had a lot of underwhelming performances. He often looks like the moment's too big for him. And if that's happening uh, at this level, man, I can't imagine what's going to happen once he, yeah. he gets to the NFL. If, I think that the class of 2022 quarterbacks that we have been so high on entering this year with... Hal Rattler, Kadon Slovis, and Jaden Daniels, at least two of those guys have given you a lot more reasons to have questions about them than they have made you confident in them being a... Because realistically, in a Superflex Devi League uh, next year, if you're going into a non-depleted Devi League and you're going to start off your draft, those probably would be two of the top 10 picks. Oh, yeah, um, easy. And... Are you confident taking Sam Howell as the 101 in your Devi League? Absolutely not. I, I and that's I think that's where we stand right now. So it, I I mean, we got Pac-12 coming back soon. Let's hope my boy Jaden Daniels goes out and lights up the world. Uh, you you said Chuck's name wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, let's move on to Georgia, Alabama. I I'm. I, why am I thinking that the backup quarterback for Oregon? Okay. Okay. Georgia loses 24-41 to Alabama. We've talked about this one a little bit. Uh, Georgia was shut out in the second half. Uh, that was a big story. I will be honest, when um, when our boy uh, Bennett threw that 82-yard touchdown to Cook, I got a little nervous. I was like, man, maybe this defense isn't going to be able to do enough to keep Georgia from scoring. Uh, but that quickly changed, and Alabama was able to... Uh, to do what they needed to do to get the pretty comfortable win when all was said and done. So they had a, a very real chance to close out Alabama or at least make this a, a game where Alabama was going to be put in a position where they were very uncomfortable. They came out the half and they were, and they were leading. They, they had a, and then they had back-to-back drives where they punted, whatever it happens. Everyone, I mean, can't immediately just rule out a team because they have back-to-back punts. And then they get a stop on Alabama and then they went down the field and they threw a, I might have the no, the timing on this wrong, but whatever. I don't care. They go down and they throw an interception very close to the goal line. And that's about when the game was over because that was the last time where they were really going to have an opportunity to put Alabama on their, on their heels because 
Alabama is not a team that you can miss opportunities like that. Their offense is too right. good for as good as you. This, I mean, this is sort of similar to when they played LSU. Um, you can't miss your chances with a team that is this explosive and a team that is this good. You know that 24 points is not going to be enough. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. There's going to be a broken play. There's going to be a waddle just runs by somebody and their quarterback is good enough to exploit that. And I don't think you can be disappointed if you're a Georgia fan, because I think you should have expected this type of outcome because you are playing a walk-on quarterback. And when you're playing a walk-on quarterback against this level of offense, you need kind of a lot to fall in place. And you got quite a few things to go your way early. You got a lot of stops. I think you can be happy with this defense and you can sit here and say that you are one of the Heck, they're still probably the fourth best team in the country with Ohio State returning. Yeah, maybe for now. I mean, uh, I, I I thought Stet, if Stetson Bennett's their quarterback, I just, I mean, he had a fine game from a yardage, like 269 better? and two. That's the right issue. Now, is like, there's not a lot of good teams in college football. And when you look at Georgia, Georgia has one unit that is special. Their yeah. defense is special enough that they held a very good Alabama team to um in the first half they in the first let me go first quarter an interception one touchdown then three straight punts then they had field goal touchdown and then they got to half um that's a successful half against alabama you got three you forced three punts and a turnover great there are not a lot of teams in the country that are going to force that they got, I just don't think Stetson Bennett can beat anyone. He, I don't he think completed less than fifty percent of his passes. He had three interceptions, and if he's, I'm saying, if he's still their quarterback, I don't want this team in the playoff because they're not going to be able to keep up. With I think their path to the playoff is very Ohio difficult, State. regardless. I think that yeah, them get they're not going. If Ohio State comes up with one loss, they're not getting in over Ohio State, assuming Ohio State plays enough football games, because I would say best case scenario. Well, best case scenario is they somehow beat this Alabama team in the SEC championship, and I don't see that happening. Yeah. Well, we need to move on because we are not even halfway through our show. Oh, we're about halfway through our show, but we're already at like an hour. Uh, not really, but uh, let's take a quick break. Let's listen to uh, our boys at Rotoviz, and uh, they got a nice promotion for you. So check that out, and we'll be back on the other side. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Week 8 preview. Let's start off with Oklahoma at TCU. TCU plus 7. I do not have a feel for this game. but I'll It's actually 6.5. I lied to you. Sorry. Oh, six it's 6.5? And and it's dumb. That flips my pick. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I do think Oklahoma is going to get the win. I just don't feel super confident. Um, I liked the push potential. Um, well, you can then, find you can find either line that you like. I'm still so. taking OU. Um, for as much as I want to pick TCU, I just their their path to victory is 
challenging. It requires a lot of mistakes by OU. And I think OU's win over Texas might turn into a springboard opportunity. And hopefully Rattler calms his poop and doesn't mess up. Um, The player I'm watching this game is freshman Zach Evans. Um, He's a, I mean, he's a really talented running back. He was for much of the process last year. He was the number one running back in the country. Um, I, he had a weird recruiting cycle. So there was a lot of like question marks around him, but he seemed to be on the straight and narrow at TCU. If he gets an opportunity to see the field, he's really talented. And I, I want to see that happen. Yeah. I will be watching Rambo. I'm also on OU side. I'd just like to see him kind of see if he can start to separate himself in this wide receiver core for Oklahoma. So far it's kind of been all over the place. Part of that I think is Spencer Rattler, running around a lot and throwing it to whoever he can find. Uh, but we'll see what can happen. Um, I also don't feel great about this one. Earlier in the week, I think the line was up by like, was up for like eight and I was leading TCU. But now that it's dropped down, I've, I've moved over to the OU side. Uh, next up, we've got uh, the game that you're probably most excited about. Actually, not probably. You're definitely most excited about. And that is your Ohio State Buckeyes versus Nebraska. The line I'm seeing right now is... 26 how are you feeling so i'm taking ohio state one because of obligation um but i have no confidence in that pick um there are reports coming out of the ohio state team that they are very unlikely to run the score up on this team because of all the goodwill that was built with nebraska you really believe that i do um I, i i think that there is a i don't think the players are going out there um with this like hey you guys helped us get football back. I feel good. But I think Ryan Day is is much more likely to pull the starters quickly in this game. That's the other thing. I think if Ohio State is up big after like midway through the second quarter, we might not see Justin Fields again. Um, just because I think that with COVID, with the shortened season, with everything out there, with no bye week, you kind of want to get your starters out as quick as possible. And I think that might be the reason. If I am going to play this game, um, I'm going to take the first half on this one, which I haven't looked up a line yet. I'll, I'll look that up while you talk. But um, the first half is probably the play I like the best on this game. And the player I'm watching, there's this guy by the name of Chris Alave. I don't know if I've ever talked about him on the show, but I'm watching I've him. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I, I wrote on the show, Doc, Nebraska, just to get you riled up. But it sounds mm-hmm. like you actually weren't. I actually am totally taking Ohio State. I I think they cover this. And, but the guy I'm watching is Wandale Robinson uh, for Nebraska. I think we've talked a lot about a lot of the Ohio State players. I'm curious in what Robinson can do. Uh, he's kind of, and he's a sophomore this year, last year. Uh, he, he did a lot. He had 88 rushes. He had 40 receptions. Uh, he had five total touchdowns. He had almost 1,000 total scrimmage yards. I'm well, like 800 total scrimmage yards. But I'm curious to see what Nebraska can do to get him going this year. Uh, he's someone that we've the Debbie community been talking about for a while now, well, not a while now, but a year now. And I'm, I'm curious what they can do with him. I'm, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he kind of fits in this offense. I'm also curious with Ohio state with them losing so many players on defense. I know that you guys um, just restock, but uh, you know, three first round picks on defense, at least two. Um, I'm curious what's going to happen. Uh, maybe Wandale can break loose for, for a couple big plays, but overall I think Ohio state wins this fairly easily. Yeah. What's that first uh, half line? It's 13 and a half and you'll hear that number again. Yeah, that's um you can put that on you can put that on my locks as well. <laughs> Woo, that sounds sexy. Uh number 2 Alabama 
is at Tennessee. I was surprised that the line in this one was only 21. So I am all over Alabama. I'll be watching Najee Harris. I was very excited about what he was able to do. And Tennessee's been giving up a lot of yards everywhere. Um, Who are you watching in this game and who are you picking in this game? I'm picking Alabama because I think I have to pick Alabama because I don't want to pick against Alabama at this point. Um, I'm watching Eric Gray. He's the running back for Tennessee. He's been in a little bit of a timeshare with um, Ty Johnson. Um, but last week it was he started to get separation. He actually accounted for like 50% of their yards against UK. Um, I think he's really good. I think he's a talented player, and I'm excited to see him. Yeah, he's someone that you've been talking about a little bit uh, with Travis and I saying that we needed to uh, show him a little bit yeah, more respect. The fact still. that Travis has him is like the... 60th best player in Debbie drafts is stupid. That dude's like a fourth round. He's the third to fourth round pick. So if you guys want to hear a little bit more fire between Travis and Matt, we're going to be uh, doing our, our Debbie summit ranking uh, podcast this upcoming weekend. Uh, It's for sure going to be on Travis's uh, college to Canton stream. I might see if I can get it on our stream as well. Uh, but they'll be going at it quite a bit back and forth. Um, Tra- but- well, for everyone who uh, hasn't listened to that show much, Travis is very organized and very like has, tries to keep like an organized show talk. When we get to Eric Gray, when we get to Chris Alave, I'm turning that thing into a brawl. It's going to be a fight. <laughs> it will be talking over each other. It will be like the first presidential debate. He is wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, next, we've got South Carolina. Um, at LSU, I think LS is LSU still ranked. That can't be right. Oh, I guess they didn't play last week. Um, but yeah, the line is are. six and a half is what I'm seeing. You can get it at six or six and a half. Um, who are you taking in this one and who are you watching? I have no confidence. Don't take my play on this one. I'm taking LSU. I continue to think LSU is a really talented team. And I don't think that losing miles Brennan changes them dramatically. I want their defense to show up and not be hot garbage. I would like Derek Stingley to look like the player that we all thought he was going to. I'm taking LSU and it's it's like hoping. Uh, the player I'm watching is the guy that I think might get shadowed or might be, yeah, might have Derek Stingley shadowing him and that's Shy Smith. He kind of torched everyone uh, last week and he made uh, a funny Instagram post where he called a kid his son and told mm. everyone to at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, I am taking South Carolina. I've been quite impressed with them. I think they're actually a pretty good football team, and I don't know if LSU is. I know LSU is a lot more talent, uh, but giving me almost a touchdown here. I know South Carolina is ro- on the road, but uh, they're trying to work in a new quarterback. I know you're not high on on Brennan, but it's still a change. Uh, South Carolina's been pretty consistent so far, and uh, really played over my expectations for them. But the player I'm watching is wide receiver for LSU, Terrace Marshall. Uh, He had a monster game last week, went eight for 122 and two touchdowns. So someone who I have quite a few uh, Debbie shares of. So I'm watching him for selfish reasons. Uh, Let's move on to state versus state. We've got Iowa state versus Oklahoma state, uh, two top 25 teams. Who do you got in this one? Oklahoma state should be getting back Spencer Sanders Although Coach Gundy said that he probably will be playing both quarterbacks in this game, which uh, surprised me a little bit. But who do you got? The line is three and a half Oklahoma State. I have Iowa State. I don't really know why. It why hmm. Screw that. I'm taking I'm switching it. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's defense is the best unit on the field. They're actually probably a top four to five defense in the country. 
their offensive line continues to continues to struggle. So I don't necessarily see them like blowing anyone out. Uh, Sanders will need to use his legs uh, for the player I'm watching. I guess it has to be Spencer Sanders only because we, we kind of need to see what he is. He's an interesting player that I, I think is fully capable of leading a team to a playoff run and fully capable of leading them to a big 12 championship this year. But I just don't know what that team is right now. So I'm watching him. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can do. People were really hoping that he would have a big breakout year. And uh, obviously that's been put on hold with the injury. Uh, I'm also in Oklahoma State on this one. If the line was a little bit more, if it was like five, I'd probably be on Iowa State because I think this line is, is spot on. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State's just a little bit better. Like you said, their defense has looked really, really good. If their offensive line can come together and just create a little bit of room for Chuba Hubbard, I think he'll be able to uh, to be a difference maker. But the guy I'm actually watching is Brees Hall for Iowa State. He's a player who's probably moved up my boards the most just because I wasn't super high on him. I didn't actually watch much of him last year. Uh, but I've seen quite a bit of him this year. I've been really, really impressed. I'm curious what he'll be able to do against this good defense. Uh, he's just a very powerful and quick runner. Um, really excited to watch him play. Uh, but I am leaning Oklahoma State on this one. Our final one is uh, one of the fun games of the weekend, I think. Uh, some Big Ten action. We've got number 20, Michigan, at number 25, Minnesota. Minnesota plus three. Where are you leaning? I'm taking Minnesota. I mentioned it before that Michigan is breaking in a new quarterback and quite a few new receivers. Um, they're just seemingly a little bit inconsistent and I'm not really, uh, I don't know what to make of this Michigan team. I, I have a feeling that this could be another one of those Michigan teams that starts off very slow and loses a game early. And Michigan might be in a similar boat to like LSU where people have some expectations and then they turn out as a three to four loss team. So I'm going to take Minnesota. I'm, I would probably actually take the money line in this spot. So, yeah. Yeah. More on that later. Um, I'm also on Minnesota. I think they're very good. Obviously um, I picked them to win, um, to win their conference. Uh, I always forget if they're in the East or the West because my geography is awful. Big. I took them to win the West and I think they're just such a – I think they have a dynamic offense. I'm, I'm excited to watch them play. I know they are bringing in a new offensive coordinator this year, so that could be interesting. But uh, the player I'm watching is Captain Tanner Morgan. Um, curious to see what he can do. Rashad Bateman, obviously, is, is a dynamic weapon. I'm curious if he's – who will be able to take that, uh, that Tyler Johnson role in the offense and uh, – Will, I will say the other person to watch on that offense uh, that doesn't really get as much love is a player by the name of Chris Ottman Bell. He yeah. is a very talented receiver. I don't think he will ever be the volume hog that Tyler Johnson was, but I think between the two of Bateman and him, you will see an offense that doesn't really skip too much of a beat. And he 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 flashed a bit last year, I remember, yeah. because he was, I mean, he was a wide receiver three on the team, but he uh, he looked really good. Um, let's before we jump into our our locks, I just want to let you know about Bet Online. We talk about them a lot because they are absolutely awesome. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all their great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Matthew, where are you placing your first bet? Which one do you feel the most confident about this week? So I'm going to actually, screw it. I'm going to go with the one that I already hinted at um, and already said I'm doing. Um, Ohio State is uh, 13 and a half point favorites in the first half. This is going to be one of the few times where you have to allow me to do this because I'm so confident in this. Um, Yeah. Ohio State is incredibly explosive on offense this year. The one question about them is going to be defensively, but Nebraska is also has their own questions. So I think this actually turns into a kind of a shootout in the first half because with both defenses trying to figure stuff out, and I do think that Ohio State's offense, we kind of know what we're getting. Worst case scenario is Justin Fields runs for his life and does really good things, or they give the ball to two running backs behind what might be the best offensive line in football. Um, I have pretty much no doubt that they're going to be winning by 14 points or more at halftime. So I will be locking in Ohio state minus 13 and a half in the first half. Sorry. I didn't hear a word you just said because I was busy pulling up, um, bet online sports book and uh, placing a bet because <laughs> I'm, I'm following you uh, on that one. Unfortunately, the payouts one uh, minus one thirty seven, which isn't great. It. Uh, but I think it's money in the bag. I think that's a great, a great pick. Uh, really, really like that. In fact, I am stealing it from you. Add uh, it my on your list. It's totally legit. We can both be <laughs> on that pick. We can have okay. some, some agreement. That's the that's a first right there. Um, I'm just copying and pasting it because I want credit for that one too. Even though it's all your it's your brainchild, but 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 my money is on it too. Uh, my first one is App State uh, minus ten and a half at Arkansas State. I think that's a Thursday night game. I'm also taking the over sixty four and a half. Uh, App State, I know they disappointed me earlier this year. I probably They're probably one of the teams I, I swore I would never bet on. Uh, but I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball um, better against this Arkansas State defense. I think the number for these two teams is, is fairly low. I'm more confident on the over than I am on App State minus 10.5, but I feel good enough that I'm taking both of them. I like it. Um, another game we just talked about, um, I, I do think there's a, a pretty solid chance that Minnesota pulls the outright upset. Um, regardless, I think that game is very close. Um, I'm going to take Minnesota, and I actually found it at three and a half, so I'm taking it at okay. three and a half. Um, my analysis is basically still that there's a lot of turnover on the Michigan side, and I'm I want to exploit that. Yeah, I I I actually think, and I don't know if I've just been hanging out with you too long, uh, but I think uh, I said Tulsa is quick. Look ahead there. No, I think Michigan might just be kind of low key bad this year, um, but we'll see. They were low key bad last year. I, I mean, know. That's, that's I the know. problem is that Michigan's team has been really mediocre, and there's a decent chance that, I mean, they they're probably third best in the Big Ten East, but the Big Ten East might just be kind of garbage after Penn State. So, right, yeah. So I think maybe there'll be someone that we're looking at later, but for now, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in in them this week for sure. I, I like that pick. Uh, my next one is Tulsa minus ten and a half at USF. Uh, South Florida is just a bad team in my opinion. Uh, they're they're not very good at all. They're one and four against the spread in their last five games. Um, meanwhile, Tulsa are four and one against the spread in their last five. I think Tulsa's defense is just too much. I don't think USF is going to be able to score much. Uh, Notre Dame shut them out. Uh, they were only able to score seven versus Cincinnati. 
Their only win um, was versus the Citadel, and Tulsa is much better than that. We saw Tulsa do well against Oklahoma State this year. Uh, give me Tulsa minus 10.5. Lock it up. I like that spot, actually. Um, now we're going to get back to my wheelhouse. And before I will point this out, I added Ohio State uh, first half and Minnesota points during the show because <laughs> I'm about to become a one-trick pony. Um, yeah. So everyone knows I love sloppy games. Everyone knows I love uh, games with first uh, first game of the season. So I'm going to start out with the Mountain West, and it's Utah State and Boise State. Both these teams like to throw a lot, and there's going to be a lot of strong crosswinds in this game. Um, Ooh. Yep. So uh, I really like this spot. Sloppy, first game sloppiness principle plus cr- strong crosswinds. I am going to lock up. Utah State and Boise State under 53 and a half. All right. I like the fact that it's not in the 40s. <laughs> 40 games make me super nervous. Oh, I um, believe me. If more places were posting uh, Michigan State and Rutgers, because that game is in like at like 44. Um, but there's weird there's weird rules about betting on uh, New Jersey amateur athletics to the point where basically no uh no sports books are actually putting that game up to the point so i will not be taking that game despite the fact that i genuinely believe that game is going to end with like a total of 37 yeah (laughs) oh man it's so gross uh big 10 football is back uh my next lock is alabama you found it for me at minus 20.5 so i'll take it at tennessee i was telling you before we hit record I think if you bet Alabama against the spread this year, you'll go like seven and two. Like they're just explosive. They're dynamic. Sure. One or two games, they might, you know, the opposing team might get like a backdoor cover. It's not going to happen often. Alabama minus 20 and a half against this Tennessee team that fired one of their defensive coaches this, this week uh, has really struggled in a lot of areas. I, I think we'll see a lot of turnovers. I think Bama gets a short field. And even if they don't, Waddle can score 90 yard touchdown. Yeah. So uh, I feel pretty good about this one. This one might be my favorite, um, my favorite on my card this week. I I like that pick. I am going to go back, uh, back to the underwell because that's what I do. Uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. uh, These teams were about 50, 50 on unders last year. They actually were slightly better on unders than they were overs. Um, Like I mentioned before, they are starting a brand new quarterback. And while I do like Graham Mertz, eventually I don't think they're going to go into a pass happy game. And I think Wisconsin is going to remain very run heavy this year. So because of that, and because again, first game principles, um, I'm taking Wisconsin uh, and Illinois under 51 and a half. I think this game is probably one with the winning team winning by like winning with a score of like 27 ish. And if that's what the winning score is, I feel fairly confident we're not going to get to 50. Yeah, that's that's a good one. These <laughs> there's a lot of lot of Big Ten unders. <laughs> I love it. Um, my next is Temple at Memphis minus 13. I'm going Memphis minus 13. Uh, they just looked so impressive on offense last week. I don't think Temple's going to be able to slow them down all that much. The over-under in this game was something that I was uh, tempted to play as well, but, uh, man, 71.5 just just felt a little bit too high for me, Uh, but I do like Memphis minus 13.5. It does seem to be where most of the money is going, which makes me a tiny bit nervous. Maybe I'm missing something here, Uh, but 
maybe it's just the fact that Memphis's defense uh, can leak points as well. So uh, hopefully there's not uh, one of those scenarios where it ends up biting me in the ass uh, at the end of the game. But I think Memphis is is a two touchdown better team than Temple, uh, eight out of ten times. So I'll, I'll take those I'll take those numbers and I'll roll with Memphis. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, they, they're one in five in their last six against the spread, which makes me a little nervous. But oh well. Yeah, you're fine. Get a lot of points. Just hope that game turns into a shootout and Temple won't be able to keep up. Um, I'm going back to the well. Um, Maryland Northwestern under 55 and a half. Um, Maryland and Northwestern are very bad um, offensively and they're losing a lot other than Northwestern basically brings back most of their offensive line. So my guess is that a team that rushed the ball 40 plus times per game in 2019 is not going to come out and throw the ball 40 plus times. Um, yeah. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is 58% on unders for his career. And they are starting a brand new quarterback coming from Indiana, Peyton Ramsey. He was a decent in enough the, quarterback. Yeah. I didn't ever like him, but he's fine. Um, I believe he's from Cincinnati's. Uh, I think he went to Cincinnati elder high school. I, he's a decent enough quarterback. He, nothing special. I don't think he's magically going to turn this out offense around, but Maryland and Northwestern were both bottom 10 in offensive success rate last year. And Maryland is completely re upping their, uh, their offensive line. I, I don't know. I just, I don't see this. I, I can't see Northwestern trying to turn this game into a high scoring affair, particularly when their strength is probably in their offensive line and their defense. I would expect this game to be very low scoring. Honestly, I would probably play this game as low as like 47 and a half. That's how confident I feel in the fact that there's not going to be points. Yeah, I just had to double check that line because it seemed a little bit high when you read it out. And sure enough, yeah, I, I think that's a great I call. I spent like, a lot of time researching this game. I'm fairly confident yeah. in that line. Well, I think it just it just shows that, you know, I think you're spot on with this pick because I would have guessed that that line would have been lower because, I mean, Northwestern couldn't score to save their lives last year. I know they've uh, made some changes. They've got a new offensive coordinator and and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but man, I just, I just don't see this game. And they're 11 and a half point favorites in this game. That yeah. And they let Fitz likes playing slow. So um, my next one, I've got the West Virginia Mountaineers. Minus three at Texas Tech. Man, do I like picking favorites. Uh, but but uh, I just think this this line is too too low. I think West, I would have guessed this one at minus five and a half to six and a half. So to me, I'm getting a couple extra points here. Uh, Texas T- Tech are one and five against the spread in the last six. Meanwhile, West Virginia is two, one and one this year against the spread. West Virginia, um, I thought, has looked pretty good at moments this this year. Um, they were able to take care of business versus Baylor, who I think is, is a really solid team. Texas tech has a lot of issues. They've had very inconsistent quarterback play. West Virginia has one of the top offenses in the country. Granted, they've been able to play teams like Kansas. So that might be why, uh, but West Virginia to me, uh, takes care of this one pretty, pretty handily minus three, uh, feels like a great number. So, uh, I'm going to lock that one up. I will say that, uh, our, our good friend, Jordan Hoover and I were talking about this game early in the week and, both of our response to this was, what are we missing? Uh, right. That game seems stupid or that line yeah. seems stupid. So uh, we are definitely with you on that one. Um, I like it a lot. I'm going to I'm going to go with my my second to last one I have on the board is Miami and Virginia um, under 58 and a half. Both of these teams create a lot of defensive havoc. So they're creating tackles for loss. 
They are creating interceptions and they are creating um, turnovers. That is great. Um, Miami has a lot of offensive line issues. They're allowing 22% havoc and they're both below average on offensive success rate. Um, the one other thing that is at least noteworthy, particularly because of the fact the way both of these teams are likely going to approach the offense is that these two teams are very strong against the run. So you are going to see a lot of situations where the clock is still moving and you get a lot of like three and outs or like six and outs, stuff like that. So don't expect these to be really long extended drives. I would expect that both of these teams struggle offensively. So 58 and a half. I think we clear this one again fairly comfortably. Yeah. My last one is FSU versus Louisville over 61. The total has gone over in six of Florida State's last nine games, and it's gone over in eight of Louisville's last 10 games. Um, in the last seven matchups between these two teams, the over is hit five times. I like it over 61. FSU, Louisville, lock it up. What are your thoughts on that those one, are, Matt? Those are really good trends you have, but uh, I do want you to know you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be on the opposite side of this game. Something we do not do frequently is um, we are this going is the against... worst. Yeah, I, I'm usually pretty like um, cautious, and I don't try and go into... Um, like fighting with you on stuff. We're picking the same game just because I think our listeners like to hear about more stuff. But when I saw this game, I was looking at through a few like projections of this game. And this was one of the ones where there was the biggest discrepancy. Um, so at 61 points, I will say most of the money has come in on the over so far. And that's why it's gone up from opening around 58 to all the way up to the 61 number. Um, here's what I like. Louisville's offense has a 38% success rate. Florida State has a 37% passing success rate. Um, both of these teams are sub four points per opportunity. So when they get, they're not strong at finishing drives. And Louisville's success rate overall on defense is 37%. So despite the fact that we think that like Miami lit them up and all these teams are going to just be able to do whatever they want, they've actually been fairly decent at slowing teams down. And particularly in this spot, they have a, only allow a 37.5 passing success rate. I just don't see how Florida State is going to recreate what they did last week where they're actually scoring a decent amount of points. And I just think that Louisville isn't going to be able to run the score up. So I do think this is a little bit more low scoring affair. And because of that, I'm going to go against you. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I do think that Florida State's offense is a little bit more dy not dynamics. Definitely not right. Not the right word. More effective and efficient with uh, the quarterback change. Uh, so I, I do think they will be a little bit better. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just assuming that last week's performances uh, for Louisville are kind of the outlier. I, I think they're going to go back to being uh, a little bit more su successful on offense. It'll be interesting. I think, uh, I think I'd feel more comfortable with the, the number at 58, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm still, I'm still good with 61. Uh, we're we're going to throw in a couple upset specials this week. Um, one of them we've already talked about. I I'm taking Minnesota at plus 140 against Michigan. So, so that's one of mine. What, what, what's one that you looked at that you liked, Matt? Um, I really, I don't feel great about this one, but Baylor plays Texas this week. And I don't know why anyone feels confident about Texas. And if I can get Baylor at, um, almost two and a half to one, I'm going to take that spot. So I think there's value there because I do think they can at least be a live dog and could yeah. pull off the upset. Oh, I think I think that's great. I think Texas has has yet to uh, really show any clear identity. 
Um, I think that's an interesting one. Uh, my other one is uh, Cincinnati to beat SMU. Uh, the number there is plus 110. So those are my two upset uh, specials. Looks like you have one more that you're adding right now, and that's a big number, plus 600. Talk to me, buddy. <laughs> I want so, it. So this UCF team is, while they are very dynamic on offense, one of the things they are also is they are very bad at giving up penalties. Um, they're probably the most, I think they are still the most penalized team in all of college football. Um, I think so. They are going up against a Tulane team that is two and three. However, I don't know if that means a whole lot. Um, Tulane's offense is still run by Willie Fritz, which is he's one of the best lesser known coaches in the country. I don't think I'm don't go lay your mortgage on this one. Don't go <laughs> put anything silly down. This is one where you're just you're throwing a little bit on there. You're just testing out because there's a little bit of value because I, I, I think there's a chance that UCF starts reeling here. And this is when you start to see them kind of collapse a little bit and Tulane pulls off an upset. This was one that I had uh, in my original research. I was looking at the over in the Tulane UCF game, but ended up for for some of the stuff that you said. I I heard, I forget who I was listening to, but going into last week, UCF's false start penalties alone were were more than any other team had in total penalties, which is just absolutely insane. Well, I know where you Um, heard that. (laughs) Was that on the cover? It's covered. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, those guys are... It's fine. Yeah, those guys are great. Uh, I listened to a couple others, though, so I couldn't remember. Uh, I'm going to run down my board real quick, and then you can tell us uh, your your picks. But I'm taking App State minus 10.5 at Arkansas State. I'm also taking over 64.5. I'm stealing Ohio State 13.5 for the first half. Um, Tulsa minus 10.5 at USF. Alabama minus 20.5 at Tennessee. Uh, Temple at Memphis. I'm taking Memphis at minus 13. West Virginia minus 3 at Texas Tech. And I'm taking the over in FSU Louisville at 61. My upsets are Cincy to beat SMU and Minnesota over Michigan. We have a, a large board this week, so next week we're yeah. going to have to burn through these. But okay, so I got Ohio State minus 13 and a half in the first half, Minnesota plus 30 and a half for the game, uh, Utah and Boise State going under 53 and a half, Illinois and Wisconsin under 51 and a half, Maryland and Northwestern under 55 and a half, Louisville and FSU under 61, and then Miami and Virginia under 58 and a half. You're so gross with your unders. I, I, you saw I was pure under board until I yep. talked myself into some fun. <laughs> I love it. And then your upset specials are Baylor and Tulane. That's good stuff. Uh, thank you guys for listening. That was, enough, that, was a, that was a long episode, but there was a lot to get into. Big Ten starting up. Big We're really excited. Back. Of course, Mountain West is back. That's going to be fun too. I don't think we. Oh yeah, you, you have a you have a Mountain West game on your board. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh great, we're we're really excited. And you know what? You know what's probably the most exciting thing is this might be the last time you get to say the words you finish the show off with because after this week, he's going to be too expensive. Yeah, you should, you should definitely buy Chris Alave right now. All right, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you next week. <laughs>